Hello and welcome to Choosing an Agency. My name's Alex and I'm here to talk about how to select the right agency to grow your business, giving you the inside line on things to look out for the next time you need external support. I'll be interviewing industry figures from all manner of backgrounds to get hints and tips on the things to consider when choosing an agency. I'm joined today by Ross Davis from Strafe Creative. Hello. For people who are just meeting you for the first time, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, I'm Ross from Strafe Creative. We are a design agency based in Nottingham and London. And I guess our, our big thing is kind of purpose-led design. So what that means is we, we obviously, we want something to look aesthetically beautiful, but for us, the whole thing is conversion. So we want to make sure that whatever we create works really well and drives through sales and, and more profits into our clients' businesses. Um, I guess and that's one side of it. And then the other side is we, we do quite a bit of work in non-profit uh, kind of with getting food to the vulnerable. And that's another part of it. And, uh, and yeah, and I guess I'm a father as well. So there's a little bit of an overview for you. Awesome. And to get a little bit more of a feel for who you are, if you could invite four people, past or present, yeah, to any meal, who would you choose? Okay, oh, right, okay. So uh, I'm going to start with the late, great Kobe Bryant. Obviously, Kobe's not with us anymore. But I can't not include him. I'm a huge, huge basketball fan. Being a six-foot white person with limited athletic ability, but uh, I absolutely love basketball. So, um, yeah, from my, from my, uh, I guess, kind of point of view, Kobe's been omnipresent in my life since I was like really, really young. Um, I grew to this height when I was like ten. So they thought I was going to be absolutely huge. So because of that, I got thrown into all the basketball camps and all these sort of things. I just didn't grow. I just literally got grew to this high and then I, I never grew again. Wow. But um, but yeah, so I'd, I'd have to have Kobe there just to, I guess, to learn from his his mindset and what he's done and he's always been around. Um, my second one is probably also going to be a little bit boring because it's also going to be basketball related. So apologies. But I'd have to have uh, Michael Jordan. I don't know if you've watched like the Netflix documentary. Absolutely, I have, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was amazing. I'd already seen that he's already done quite a lot of documentaries before and, you know, his drive and his competitiveness and how he approaches things, even just from a mindset point of view, regardless of basketball, I think it's just something that we could all learn from. Would him and Kobe get on? Yeah, so, like, supposedly, anyway, I'm saying this like I know them, but obviously I don't, but, like, supposedly uh, Jordan was, like, a big brother to to Kobe and kind of mentored him and, and and went through stuff and yeah I think yeah. even just having those two together would be would be pretty cool. Um, third one we can have some. I'm going to go with someone like uh, like Steve Tyler. So my favorite band is Aerosmith. Wow, always has been. I think I got it from my dad. So he was a massive fan and I kind of grew up with it. And then we we had the chance to go see them in Vegas and that was just incredible. I imagine it was really quiet, quiet sort of. It was mental. It was absolutely mental. It was never, I've never been to a concert like it. it. Was I mean, obviously, it's just how they do stuff in Vegas, isn't it? But um, yeah, it was incredible. And I think just his, even just kind of the learning, you know, they've been around for 50 years. It was meant to have been actually this year, I think, or last year. It was meant to have been their 50th tour, like their, their 50th year tour. So the fact that they've managed to like reinvent themselves and I think their overall approach, you know, they don't take life too seriously and they still enjoy. You know, if you think like some of their songs, like this, they've been playing them for fifty years, and they still enjoy playing them. Like, there's there's got to be something in that 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 you can kind of take from. So, I'd, I'd love to like hear some some crazy ass stories from him. That'd be pretty cool. 
And um, they were quite excessive Hellraisers. They were back in the day. Um, I think he's too tall now. Um, but, Ooh, but yeah, well. I think, and then that would be the stories, right? Like you get to hear all of those crazy stories and what he's done and you know, being 50 years in that business, like the number of the, like the plethora of people that he must have met would be absolutely crazy. And then what fourth person? We need some like, need some like lightheartedness. So I'd probably have like Kevin Hart. Probably have Kevin Hart there. It's because A, he's well funny. But, um, you know, he's, well, he's an author. He's a, he's an actor. He's a comedian. He's an entrepreneur. He's got like his vitamins, his protein companies. And it's just, he's just so, so hardworking. And like I read his autobiography and stuff like that. And just like the, the, I guess where he came from and what he's been through and how hard he works. That would be pretty cool to to kind of be inspired by some of that and also also probably just laugh a lot. Like I think he'd just be funny. It'd be absolutely so, everyone so funny. Yeah. And what would you would you go out for hamburgers or something? Ah, I don't know, mate. I hadn't thought about that. Uh yeah, why not? Quite a heavy American sort of contingent. So. Yeah, I have. I've, I've I've unnecessarily gone very, very American there. So yeah, probably. I'd probably go, yeah, some burgers, burgers and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, you couldn't do like a fancy meal with them. I think that'd be weird. One of them would be dressed up and wanted to be relaxed. Like uh, beers and burgers, stuff like that. So, so yeah. four very successful people with uh, very different mindsets. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing that, that reveals about me or a bad thing. I don't know. I'll let you, I'll let you pass judgment on that. <laughs> I don't think I'll judge. I think it'd just be quite interesting. It'd be quite a vibrant supper. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. Be Perfect. Really cool. So in turn, on the business side of things, we strafe them. What's the project or piece of work that you guys are most proud of? Oh, um, can I be really cheeky? Can I have two? Yeah, go for it. Nice one. Um, so probably the, the, the main one is actually one that we just, we launched back in like October, November last year, 2020. And it's for a company called Adventure Base. So kind of a shout out for them. But they do like adventure holidays. So, for example, like, you know, you want to climb Everest Base Camp or you want to climb Mont Blanc or something like that. And it's like a wow. four or five days that you can go away and they take you up there with the guides and they do everything and take you back down again. And um, I think that project was, it just ticked so many boxes. It was just a really cool project. So I guess first off is from a, from a client perspective, they were just so good to work with. Like a really, really nice work relationship there. And to have the foresight to be able to do that kind of project whilst you're in the most significant economic downturn ever is quite sort of far forward thinking. Yeah. I mean, they were still selling holidays anyway, but they were just having to like put these reassurances in place and stuff. But I guess to read this, I guess there's two parts to this that that I really, really like is um, before our version of like the site went live, they were, they were selling, they were selling like, you know, X, X per month, but, most of that were people coming to the site and then everyone had to pick up the phone. Everyone would send loads of emails. There was loads of back and forth. There was so much admin and so much salesmanship and so much like persuasion that had to go in to try to get people to buy. Whereas when our site's gone live, because of the, I guess the way we approach stuff and it's all um, conversion focused, that they've gone from like 10% of people buying directly through the site to something like 75% of people buying directly yeah. through the site now without any need for calls and additional things. But as well as that, we've pretty much doubled sales. It, the site paid for itself within the first month. So first off, A, we should have charged more money, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but just just that sort of, just the approach. You know, it's a really nice one because in the market, it really stands out now. It's, it's, um, it's really good. So, so yeah, that, that, you know, that, bearing in mind that you know, this, it went live in October. So 
you know, they were still selling in the middle of COVID and still selling really well. And, you know, that those kind of conversions have continued. So that's a really, really cool one. So that's one we're, we're really, really proud of. And then the other one is we set up um, right at the start of COVID last March. So actually we've come up to, I think we're pretty much at a year that we opened it. It's, a, uh, it's like a non-for-profit. We're just becoming a charity at the moment, a non-for-profit called Open Kitchens, uh-huh. where we, I guess we are working with, uh, companies with excess food. So for example, like the airline company used to buy loads of food and then it stopped buying it, but that food was still produced. So that excess food had to go somewhere. We're working with all the restaurants that closed who have available kitchens. And then we're working with 11,000 charities where all the vulnerable people are. And we basically build like websites and donation systems and logistics apps and all these different things to essentially bring the three of them together. Wow, that's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, we've raised like half a million pounds. We've done about 250,000 meals now. And yeah, we've got people like Hilton Hotels on and Chelsea Football Club and Super Dry and like all these big donations and these people all helping. And um, yeah, it's been amazing. So that's that's probably from that point of view, obviously we're not making money on that. It's not about making money on that one, um, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it's been amazing. And there is part of being a business owner when you can actually do some good and actually step up and go over and above just, you know, being Mm. profit making. That's absolutely amazing. And to help some of the most um, disadvantaged people in society with like the prevalence of food banks and that kind of thing at the moment, I think is, um, that's amazing. You guys should be really proud of that. Cheers, bud. No, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. So yeah, that's probably, that should probably have just been my main one, but um, (laughs) but, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely the two. Excellent. And so I think the reason why I started wanting to do this podcast was to try and help clients get the best from their agency. So that could Mm be PR agencies, creative agencies, companies like us in terms of SEO and PPC or yourselves with regards to web design and web app development. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to try and do was to be able to formulate a series of conversations where clients can almost get the inside line on how to get the best out of their agencies. Yep. And so in terms of, you know, what are your views on what can be done to improve the quality of work a client gets? So, yeah, I mean, I have to come at this from Flight Web. Mm-hmm. I think the main one is kind of really defining what that, that purpose is meant to have been. And I think far too often that can be really, really woolly. So, like, the example that we get a lot is, like, you know, we ask for people want from the site and they're like oh we just want people to contact us and like our argument would be that's just not defined enough so let's say okay you can either fill in a form you can pick up the phone you can do an appointment you could use um, a live chat or you could email them directly so those are all five different ways that someone could get in contact now, for me what we want to do is we want to try push a client to make a decision on which one is best because once we've defined what the overall purpose of the site is, it affects absolutely everything. So let's say if we wanted to drive everyone to pick up the phone, then the site would be about, we'd have a lot more, I guess, human kind of side to the site. We talk a lot more and we probably have photography of people like in the business and we'd, we'd have them on the phone and we'd talk about the fact that we're trying to you know pick up the phone and speak to our experts and see mm-hmm. how they can help you and get some one-on-one advice. Whereas if we're pushing everyone to a, like a form, like you design that very differently. So, you know, tell us, you'd have that more around, you know, tell us about your business, what you want to do. We'll, before we even pick up the phone, we'll have already done some research. We can call you. So like how you define those is very different. And, and for me, the other part of that is I want to speak to the sales team. 
I want to yeah. know how they want to do it. So for example, with Strafe, I don't really want someone to pick up the phone because I want you to fill in the project planner so that I can have already done some research. So I can have already looked, tried to look up to your competitors. I can have already done a little bit of a quick audit of your website. So I can potentially give you some pointers and prove that we know what we're talking about. So actually from a sales perspective, I'd much rather you fill in my project planner than pick up the phone to me. And I think a lot of that is overlooked. And because of that, you end up with this side that's, oh, we'll just like, let's just hope they find the contact page and hopefully they're getting in touch or like there's stuff like that that I think is just, it's left too open and, and really we want to define what that is and then really push the user to try to do that one thing. Absolutely. And I think the um, speaking to people in sales is always really interesting because when you have a conversation with them, you're able to uncover the pain points that they repeatedly exactly. experience with customers and yep. if you can understand the impact of that yep. with regards to, say, web design, for example, that's mm-hmm. a tremendous um, call to action because if you're alleviating that pain point, then people uh, move through the conversion funnel. 100%. It's like, you know, that example that I gave before of a venture base is one of the questions that their salespeople always got asked is, okay, well, what happens with like the kit? Like, do I have to bring all the kit? Do you give me the kit? Do I have to hire the kit? Once we've learned that from the sales staff, just design that into the site. <laughs> But I sometimes feel like the marketing department doesn't speak to the sales department. So then they build something that works well in certain ways, but doesn't necessarily answer the things that the sales staff constantly get asked. So that's a, that's definitely part of it. Perfect. And then very often clients will come and ask you to pitch for their business. What advice would you give clients to get the most out of that process? I would say let the agency prove their expertise. So too often we get specs and briefs which is super super detailed but it's like hey we want these 20 pages we want the user to like move around the site in this way we want to do this end goal and they they've basically kind of tried to think about it all internally and just gone hey can you just like build this can you quote on essentially what we just said the problems with that is obviously they're not experts in what we do just like we're not experts in what they do so the best way to get something out of the project is actually don't define what you think you want. Instead, give me loads of context about the business. Tell me about all the previous problems you've had with your other site. Tell me all about the problems that you've had in the business. Tell me the reasons why people should buy from you. Tell me what's better about your competitors. And then as an agency, let us figure that out. Let us come up with options. Because if you just give me a brief, the first thing is I have to pick it apart anyway if I'm going to do my job properly. So I'm going to pick it apart. But then you might have other agencies that don't pick it apart. So then you've just got two or three quotes that are all exactly the same because they'll go, well, we'll just do exactly what you said and it's X amount of money. So it's not being too prescriptive. And then... I would much rather someone be like, here's a load of problems that we have or here's a load of things we're trying to do. Or, you know, here's our goals. We're trying to do this. We're trying to, we're trying to achieve this. How do we get there? And then we can come up with what those are. Whereas too often people are like, yeah, we need a homepage, about page, a service page, a contact page. Um, and we need the live chat feature. Can you just quote me on that? And it's like, well, no, because I want you to learn more about your business, see if what you've just told me is is right. Absolutely. So it doesn't give you any opportunity to actually demonstrate how transformational working with you can be. It's just meeting a brief for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that just it depends on the tier of the business, I guess, at the end of the day. Some people would just be like, well, I just need something really simple. And that, that then comes into, well, are they the right? agency for, are they the right company for us i guess and sometimes when you are uncovering a brief and you start interrogating it 
yeah there is a sort of pain threshold that clients will tolerate and if you have to unpick things to such a degree sometimes it puts the agency in a position whereby you're damaging the client relationship before you've actually started preparing the quote exactly because you don't want to come straight and just be like well this is rubbish <laughs> do you and he's like and that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong so then it just it just sets it up so you know it's more of a case of sometimes just being like i know you said this but have you thought of this and like we could do this and how about this as an idea and, and that's fine and that obviously the benefit of that is that makes our quote look different to everyone else's but for me i would much rather like the best jobs come out of just hey we have these problems and we want you to figure out what the best way of doing it is and then i guess the, the benefit of that is they've already bought into our idea by the time they said yes so it just makes the whole relationship together better there's a clear definement of and it will be the thinking as an agency which differentiates you from just being yeah. a mere service thing of just putting together a website with a home page contact page live exactly. whatever to actually it's the structural thinking at the planning stage that's really going to help you um make an impact yeah 100 percent. perfect so when the client's speaking to an agency what are the signs that the agency is a good fit for that client so I think, I guess, an overall ethos, like, do, do you have a similar ethos? Do you have a similar way of working? I think it's going to be really, really key. So, you know, here at Strafe, we're very process driven. We know that if we take a project through a set process, we know it's going to deliver a really high percentage, like a high conversion rate. So that we want to make sure we run through that. So, you know, if a client wants to cut corners or they don't want to do certain things or they don't see the value in doing that, that becomes a lot harder sell because they're not going to feel engaged in it. They're not going to want to do it. And then that generally makes that harder. Yeah. So I, th- I think that approach needs to be very similar. And I think you both need to be very, I guess, potentially kind of driven or, or goal orientated in the same way. So you need to both be on the same kind of footing moving towards it. So, you know, if their goals are either in way too lofty that are unrealistic, I'd rather have that conversation with them early. Same wise that some people just be like, oh, well, we just need a new website. And then it's like our job to try, we're like, well, let's, let's push for more. Let's try to do more with it. What if we did X and Y and what can we do it? So I think a lot of it comes down to that. And I, th- I think another one is, it's just kind of a general respect for each other's expertise. So like, we know what we're doing with our work, but at the same time, we don't, you know, we don't know their business. So we need to pick their brains and really understand that. And then the other thing is someone like working with yourself, Alex is, we want to make sure that right at the start of that project, if they've already got SEO companies and pay-per-click companies and PR companies and whoever else, we want that working relationship to be amazing. So we want to get involved with them right at the start of the project. So you kind of want to make sure that you've then got those bonds and you can work with them because there's nothing worse than we just crack on with the project and then we find out just before launch, oh, the SEO company is looking at it now. And you're like, well, if we'd known they were involved, we could have build that from the ground up with them absolutely the ability to play well with other agencies is crucially important and to forge those relationships to the greater advantage of a client is critical yeah and then the i guess the last one is just um you want to make sure that you you both work in a similar manner so from a point of view of we're going to give you set deadlines that we want to make sure we're working with someone who's like well organized and it's going to get stuff done when they said they're going to get them done but and, they, and that, that's the other way for us right like so if, if we say to the client we'll have it done by friday we need to have it done by friday there's nothing worse than like one side of that relationship being incredibly unorganized or wanting to work in a very different way to the other one so you just need to make sure you're relatively aligned really and i think you get that from a feel you'll get that from interacting with them to start with and you know asking to pick apart their process and what happens in these situations and what would you do here or what would you do if we forgot to do x and you know like i would try and get an understanding of 
worst case scenario is what happens in an agency and if an agency doesn't have an answer for it because they don't really like oh well we'll just make it up like well, i'm sure it'll be fine sort of thing that's probably not the answer you want yeah absolutely that makes sense so an interesting thing that i always find about is um or think about is awards mm. and agency awards and being an award-winning agency how important is that kind of thing for a client lots of people view this in lots of different ways our argument is, and you know, we say this a lot to clients, is the more credible a company is, the more likely someone is to buy. So when we're creating a high converting site, we, we kind of want them to have awards. We want them to have credibility. And the, the normal one that I might use with a client is, let's say you go on, I don't know, Amazon for simple sake. We're buying a sprinkler headset because I bought one this morning uh, to plug into my hose so that I don't have to stand outside and hose everything. The exact same thing, because obviously Amazon allows that. You've got the exact same thing on there, the exact same product. One of them's got 25-star reviews and the other one has zero, but they're both the same cost. It's like, which one do you buy? Yeah. So I'll just buy, even though it's the same product, even though it's the same thing, I'll buy the one with five, with all the, all the stars because in theory, it's more credible. Absolutely. For me, it's the same sort of approach with awards that if I had two very similar portfolios of design agencies, you know, they both looked pretty good. Price-wise, we've got quotes from them both and we can't really decide. But one of them's won like 10 or 20 different European awards and the other one's not one that's probably going to be my tipping point or personally that's how I view it and generally yeah. that's what we'll do with our clients and then we just know having those awards on makes a big difference so for, for me it is important there is a slight caveat to that that I'll add in that you can obviously get really just rubbish awards don't mean anything <laughs> you know like just you can pay you know you can pay 200 quid and you can win an award like and there's 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 ones out there so um and I won't name any of them, but there's ones where like we get constantly messages, just be like, "Hey, you've won! Like we've they've done, we've not entered them, we've not done anything." And they're like, "Hey, pay us two hundred quid and you can have this award." And we're like, "No, like that's not the point. The point is, I guess, from an ethics point of view, is we want to make sure we've submitted something and put a case study together to prove it, and then actually win it off the back of it, rather than just oh, like yeah, you know, you're the only one that entered, so you've won the award, or it's this rubbish award. I, th- I think for me, awards are really important, but it has to be in the context of you know it has to be a valid award that makes it like that proves you are good at what you do uh, yeah i wholeheartedly agree with that because there are industry outstanding awards that are absolutely phenomenal so it could be i don't know google premier partner awards are in the top one percent of the top three yeah. percent that as an award has real value one where as an agent channel, you get an anonymous email saying send us 500 pounds for your award yeah, yeah. that's so that's so light touch and unearned mm-hmm. but you still end up with the same result so as a client it's about interrogating the awards speaking to the agency owners and the team about the process you know what was that like how did you win that and unpicking it so you can actually ensure that as a, the agency you're engaging with has an award that is credible and has real meaningful value yeah you also need to make sure that or for me is the award's great to have but it's it's part of my pitch so like if we've got an award, like part of it is it's the story. It's the story of how you won that award. That's yeah. I think for me is really, really critical. It gets forgotten. So like it's not a case of just oh we won this award. If I'm in a pitch, I might be like, oh, like just before we skip past, this is just the awards. I'm not gonna go into detail on all the awards, but let me just quickly talk about the story behind this one. Yeah. Because that one could be really relevant to what they're doing. And I think that's kind of part of it. I think there's something in the psychology of an agency. So if an agency's earned a proper award, Mm. 
versus an agency that hasn't won an award, there's something in the mentality and the mindset uh, between yeah, the um, So I think it's important. And some people say like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't go for awards. We just focus on client results and stuff. But but actually loads of awards are that. <laughs> loads of awards are not based on the, the appearance, like especially with design. And like we enter a lot of awards and some of them are for the aesthetics and the appearance, but quite a lot of them are purely for the results that we've given to the client. Yeah. So like we won in 2019, it was like website of the year. And it was purely based on the results. It didn't matter how the website looked. It was the fact that it went from zero sales to like 900 grand in six months. Like that's what was important. It was the high, really high conversion rate. Absolutely. So that's a meaningful difference to that business. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's, I guess, the difference in it. So yeah, it's a tough one. But um, I do get the understanding of, oh, you know, we just focus on clients and stuff. But, but yeah, for us, it, it helps in a lot of ways. To wrap things up, are there any red flags um, a client should look out for when speaking to an agency? Mm. The first ones I would just say is it's really hard to get a red flag in isolation. You need to like get quotes from multiple agencies to, to spot a red flag. It's kind of the way I'd put it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you get three quotes. One comes back at 50K. One comes back at 43K. The other one comes back at 10K. I'd be like, they've either never done a project of this size and they don't realize or they're just trying to get it or they've completely misunderstood the brief but you wouldn't if you only got a quote from one of them and you were like oh 10k bargain i thought it was going to be like 30k so like that's why that that context of having those comparison options is going to be really really key and then the same one with time scales that you know if someone says it's five months the other company says it's four and a half months and one company says it's two weeks you'd be like I don't think they've understood the brief, but it's surprising how often that can happen. I've taken that to extreme, but you might have someone that comes back and goes, well, one of the other agents said they could do it in two months. I'm like, there's just no way. There's no way you could do that. It's six months' work. So it's, it's just highlighting that out to them is, is really, really important. So that allows the client to then see the context of each individual yeah. and the merits of it, yeah. And I'd, and I'd say the last one is just not, again, using this kind of context term, but having limited context on the quote so what I mean by that is if someone's kind of said, yeah, for 20K, we'll build you a website and it doesn't go into any huge detail on what's included, like what is the functionality and what are the pages and you know how it's going to work. It leaves so much gray area of the client going, well, I thought it was going to work in this way. And then them saying, well, I thought it was going to work in this way. And obviously quite a lot of the time will be is that the, the client will think it's going to work in this really complex, awesome, automated way. And the developer's just done it in whatever's easiest. So for me, the red flag is making sure that proposal is really detailed and the, and the client knows what they're getting for the money. And if it's not detailed and they don't really know what they're getting for money, that, that for me is a bit of a red flag because it means further down the line, you don't 100% know what you're getting for your money. Perfect. That makes absolute sense. Cool. This has been great. So where can people find out more about you online? We are strafecreative.co.uk. Uh, strafe is spelled Sierra Tango Romeo Alpha Foxtrot Echo. You can tell I have to say that a bit. So it's strafecreative.co.uk. Perfect. Thanks for joining me today. Mate, thank you so much for having me. It is, it's been an honour. All right, gang. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please join me again next time for Choosing an Agency.